0: Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or also on BitChute and YouTube, and you can find us on Speaking Podcast. I also have the Awakening Podcast, the Learn Polish Podcast, the Meditation Podcast, and the Crypto Podcast, and all can be found on rycon.com. I always love to have guests from all over the world. This is a country I'm in Botswana in Africa. Please welcome Paco Mosh, Mosh Haga. No. <laughs>
1: Good enough, good enough. Moshaha. (laughs) Moshaha. Yes. There you go. go. That's it. Thank you so much, Roy, for um, having me on your podcast. And um, good day to all the listeners. So you might let the listeners know, who's Paco? Right. So I'm a personal branding consultant, writer, and public speaking coach. I'm based in Botswana, which is in Africa. It's a very small nation, just over 2 million people in total. Um, a bit about my passion. I have a passion for personal branding. I have a passion for self-image and the power of self-image in our everyday lives, really, and in how it um, affects our major and our minor decisions in daily life, within your career, within your business, your schooling, whatever it is that you do. I'm all about self-image, what it is, and how it affects your life and what you can do to change your life using your self-image and personal branding. So, I mean, we might as well start off
0: on that because if you're on the stage, you're being judged straight away. So,
1: imaging, what, what would you, what would you advise people? Okay, so what I advise people is that first thing, image counts for a lot. It counts for a lot more than we think. You know, there's this saying, "Don't judge a book by its cover," right? And the saying exists because we judge books by their covers. That's how we are. people, we are visual. We look and we judge. And so the impressions that we give people based on our presentations count for a lot more than we think. Because we just think, ah, as long as I put on something clean, something um, ironed, then it's fine. But we need to be intentional and understand that our presentation, whether it's online or offline, say something about us either something positive or something negative good so you're both
0: a branding coach and a public speaking coach so what way does that work how do you kind of do you separate them into two different entities or do you put everything under the one umbrella
1: when with websites
0: and then how you're promoting
1: yourself all right so the way i promote myself is primarily through social media i'm big on facebook linkedin and instagram and i just Um, launched a YouTube channel as well. So I do them under one thing. So public speaking is a subsection of personal branding. So personal branding is all about how you appear to the world out there. So whether it's in a job interview, a TV interview, whether it's your resume, or whether it's you speaking on stage or on radio, everything to do with how you present yourself to the world out there is under personal branding. So I do everything as personal branding and the subsections of personal branding, which also include public speaking coaching. and
0: I always like to know the speaker's journey before you became a speaker. As a young man, how was Paco in school?
1: Right. So I grew up with a terrible stutter. It's hard to believe I know, but I used to stutter terribly that um, I wasn't even allowed to read out loud in class because i try and read and it just be that the de- 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 bo- 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 boy does, you know. So I had um, a very quiet childhood. Um, I was very reserved. I was an introvert, extremely shy as well, because, you know, kids, when you try and talk, they tease you and um, stuff. So at the end of the day, I just decided that, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to be the quiet guy so that no one can actually tease me. So I'm a very shy, reserved type of persona growing up. I wasn't involved in any sports because I also had asthma as a child. So asthma plus being someone that has really made me antisocial. So I was indoors a lot, um, lots of TV, books here and there, and a very quaint and um, uneventful childhood and um, upbringing in, in many respects. So... In terms of how i grew up that's generally the the type of i'd say background that i had and public speaking was never ever a dream of mine i used to shy away from anything that needed me to be in front of a group in 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 front of a crowd whether it's in class or it's um, at church or whatever it was i used to shy away from that so my current life compared to how I grew up is very different. It's totally on the other side of things. And um, and it's quite interesting for people that know me from childhood. They are always shocked, like, is this really you? I know you from childhood. You didn't used to be like this. Since when are you into public speaking? Since when are you willing to be on TV, to be on radio, to be doing podcasts and like since when are you this person so i get that a lot from uh, people that know me from childhood and
0: like i know you kind of help people overcome the fear of public speaking so i'd like to know what's your strategy when you're telling people basically because i had a similar journey to yourself and you know there's a lot of people because we don't know about it but how would you actually what's your advice
1: to someone that's basically quivering in the corner So my advice to anyone that has a fear of public speaking is to understand the source of the fear. So the fear isn't really a fear of public speaking per se, but rather it's a fear of um, being embarrassed on stage, of um, saying something silly or falling on stage or so many things that could happen in front of a crowd of people. So I'd say for you to get over the fear of public speaking is to have confidence in yourself And in your content. So if you are doing public speaking, you are there as as an expert in your field. You know, you've been asked to come and speak on, let's say, maybe personal finance, because you are an expert in personal finance. So people are there to listen to you because you know best in the room about that subject. And the host also has faith and trust in you that they've asked you to come and speak and they know that you know your stuff and you will do well. So keep the focus on you and what you have to um, offer to the world. And that will be the source of your confidence. Then another thing as well, make sure that you rehearse at home. So the more you rehearse, the more it feels feels natural on the day of the presentation because you'll basically be doing the same talk for let's say the 10th time because you did it nine times at home. So rehearsing plays a major, major role in trying to um, calm your nerves, basically.
0: I know you've speaking. You spoke at a few different universities, so you might. Because I always like to know people's tips on how to connect with the students, because you know. And I know you do some uh, NGO work and at schools as well. So even the schools, as a younger age, how you're connecting with with both the younger pupils and the the
1: university students. All right. So with. Um, try to connect with your audience. The first thing is to understand that there are two elements to getting their attention. There's getting their interest. then after you get their interest, you get their attention. So whenever I do a talk, I research the type of audience that I'll be speaking to in terms of the age group, the race, what they are um, into, and anything and everything that I can find out, I get as much information as possible so that when I plan my talk, when I plan even my jokes, I need to make sure that these are people that will understand the type of jokes that I'm um, going to crack. They're not too young and they're not too old to understand what I'd be talking about. So once I have that, I frame my talk around the type of um, audience that I'll be speaking to Then I lay out the opening of the presentation. So the best way to capture interest is the way that you open your presentation. So my field is personal branding. So I like to start a presentation with trying to explain what I do in an interesting way. You know, I don't want to come up and say, hi guys, my name is Paco. I'll be talking to you this morning for an hour about personal branding. That's very dull and you lose interest from the start. So I like to say, hi guys, my name is Paco and I sell people. Then I get shocked. Like, what do I mean I sell people? Cause it sounds like, um, it sounds like prostitution. <laughs> so um, it's shocking. Then I'm very quick to explain that I help people to profile and to package themselves for success. And in that way, just like marketing I help to, to um, profile and to package towards selling someone to um, towards a certain opportunity that they are seeking. So in that way, I sell people the same way that um, marketing consultants sell phones and they sell cars and other stuff. So in that way, the talks starts off interesting being that I said something shocking, then it ended as something funny. And then I have the um, interest. And once I have that interest, I follow up to capture their attention with keeping my talk dynamic, with um, jokes, with ensuring that my vocal tone changes as I'm speaking so that it's more conversational and it sounds like a conversation between me and them as opposed to uh, um, one-way talk, as opposed to a lecture. So I apply those type of techniques when I'm addressing an audience and in that way, it it helps me to um, ensure that I can relate with them and that I can capture the attention as well.
0: Excellent, excellent. And I know you do workshops as well. So you might let me know what kind of workshops are there? One hour, half day, full day, a couple of days, and how you structure that as well? Because I'm curious, everyone seems to have
1: their own kind of way of doing things. All right, so the workshops are fairly new. Um, I started them this year. So the way that I do them is basically an hour and a half up to two hours of a workshop, whether it's live or it's uh, virtual. And we basically cover the different aspects of public speaking, how to get over your nerves, how to capture attention, um, the importance of body language as well. And we also look at how to close a talk as well. So the different elements of a presentation is what we cover in the workshop. So I make sure that there's always audience participation in the workshops because it's not a seminar, but it's a workshop. And so the major difference is that in a workshop, people need to be involved in the activity. So I always ensure that I leave a slot for the attendance to basically try out what we are discussing in that workshop to maybe give a, a sample talk. Like in the last workshop I did, I allowed people to give a sample opening for like 30 minutes. I asked three people to to give us an opening of of a side event, of a happy event. Then the third one was to give an opening of a corporate event as a way to to try and teach them how to start a presentation, depending on the different types of moves or tones of the particular event that you are at. So live or virtual, That's how I do the workshops.
0: And I know you spoke at a Toastmasters. Are you involved with Toastmasters
1: or you just spoke at an event? I've spoken at three of the events so far. Um, I've spoken at a local Toastmasters event within Botswana. Then I also spoke at the regional event when I spoke about personal branding. This was about seven countries or so within Africa, in Southern Africa to be exact as well as members from the UK, as well as Mauritius as well. So I'm affiliated with them. I'm not a member, but they do ask me to come and give talks, especially within personal branding. Okay, very good.
0: And I know you're a blogger. So have you found the blogger has helped get more clients? And did you start off with the blogging before the public speaking?
1: Yes, I actually did start with the blogging as a way to get word out there on what I do. Because what I found when I started, most people didn't have an appreciation of personal branding. They just took it as as you trying to be someone that you're not, or you trying to be pompous or or proud, you know. So I used the 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 blog one to explain what personal branding is, what it's not, and to also advertise my services as a consultant and as a speaker as well. So I found it to be very effective, being that the type of blogs that I write, they are really short. You know, it's like um, a page, it's maybe 400 to 500 words or so. So it's a quick read. Within three minutes, you can go through the whole thing and get a good sense of what I am talking about within that blog. So I found it to be very effective and um, easy to share as well. Because it's a page, someone can share it on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on, on WhatsApp, on so many different platforms. And that would help to get my name and my brand out there. And it's one of the things that have really helped me to get um, invites to, to give talks at, at the universities, at the NGOs and at um, corporate events as well. So it's been very, very effective. And um, an unintended consequence, I actually ended up writing for a newspaper because of the blog, someone saw my blog and said, you know what, would you mind writing for our paper? So I wrote for a paper Then I wrote for a blog based in Malawi, which is a country which is uh, a couple of thousand kilometers from here. Then I also wrote for a magazine as well, all thanks to the blog. So I ended up becoming a writer (laughs) when I started it just to get the word out there. Then it became a fully fledged side of the business.
0: Excellent. And, and like, I mean, I know that you, because I had read that about the magazines and the newspaper, but you, like you've been on radio and TV as well. So you might, how that came about and what it has benefited the exposure to maybe get more speaking gigs.
1: All right, so I've been on four local radio stations and for me to get there really was, was really through social media. When I started, I was big on Facebook. I put up all my content all my pictures, all my clips on Facebook. So people would see those. And ultimately, I would get calls from um, radio saying, you know what, we saw you on Facebook. You're talking about personal branding. What is personal branding? Can you come and, and explain to our people what this is all about and why they need to know about personal branding and how they can form their own personal brand? So it helped a big deal in getting the brand out there because these are nationwide radio stations, which are also available online. And so people outside the country could um, also tune in and and um, hear me speak about personal branding. Then I was also on on TV as well, which came out again of social media. So locally, Facebook is is huge and most companies and most speakers use it as, the, as a primary platform to get their brands out there and um, get their names out there as well. So all of these, opportunities primarily stem from either Facebook or LinkedIn
0: and yeah I mean uh, I uh, they're the ones I use actually as well for promoting the podcast even though I use Twitter I I'm finding that with Twitter even though there's I don't know something like four and a half thousand followers it's not really followers because there's no interaction and I've like I've checked loads of profiles of different people and it seems to be the same sometimes people have ten thousand twenty thousand 20,000 There's zero interaction. And I think we have to get out of the the thing where we think it's better to have 100 people that are actually interacting with you than 10,000 that are not. It's like a follow for a follow. I follow you, you follow me, but we don't really care about each other.
1: So true, so true. So I found that Facebook and LinkedIn are by far the most interactive platforms that I've seen. Twitter is good for shorthand writing, one-minute sentences, just very brief and um. It is big on trends, you know. Something has to be trending, then people will respond and tweet and stuff. And so, for actual conversation and interaction, LinkedIn for the in-depth talks, Facebook for the more social, casual, but still value-adding conversations. So, definitely, I agree with that. And that's why I'm actually not on Twitter because I tried it out and I didn't really get that traction. i um I would put stuff out there, but I really wouldn't get the vibe that I was looking for. Or then I said, you know what, let me use what I know has been working for me all these years, and which is Facebook and LinkedIn. I
0: I find that uh, with, um, with Instagram as well, same thing. I'm not getting much interaction. And I found it's a lot of time you know, you're, you're, posting all the different things. So that's why I said, yeah, I, I kind of went down the Facebook and LinkedIn route, I, I find the best for interacting with. And like, I know you do a lot of um, pro bono work for the schools that we mentioned, but like for say NGOs and everything, Are you, do you do much of that? And do you find that by doing that, it's actually opening the door for getting more engagements, paid
1: engagements? Yeah, so the way that I started, actually, um, I started doing NGO work because I didn't have a brand at all. Like, no one knew about me, and so I didn't have any any weight to my name. And so I will do pro bono work to get traction and also to build a, a portfolio of talks, a portfolio of clips, pictures as well, and to really try and just get get people interested in what I'm doing. And so I found that it's it's almost unavoidable to start with pro bono work because if you're coming in with no known brand, with no track record, no portfolio, no one is willing to listen to you. No one is willing to even pay you, actually. So I found that I had to start with building that pro bono work with the, with the NGOs, um, with the varsities as well. Then, as I build that up, corporates and radio and TV started to get um, interest in me. So, I found it to be very effective. Um, but, time wise, it's um, costly because you spend time preparing for these talks and going to give the talks, but you don't get any financial benefit out of it. But rather, the investment that you make is something that will come through for you at a later stage.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And just uh, regarding the coaching, then either the speaking or like, are you doing it now online? And previously, you were actually meeting people, or was it
1: always online? Well, previously I was meeting people. Then after COVID and the, and the lockdowns and um, everything, everything just became virtual. So now I do exclusively virtual. Um, sessions on Zoom, on Teams, on um, WhatsApp and stuff. So everything is virtual, which is great because now I can reach a, um, a, a much wider market because I think prior to COVID, virtual meetings weren't really big here. You know, we're, we're big on face-to-face meetings. So if someone was, say, across the country, they would want to see me face-to-face. So they would have to come here. And it's it's a lot of planning, a lot of logistics cost as well. And so virtual meetings have really worked in that I can now have sessions with virtually anyone across the world.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think people don't realize that. that Even same with me, my first few podcasts, I started in 2018. I mean, I just meet, meet the people, you know, and you're like chit-chatting for maybe half an hour, an hour beforehand. You're organizing everything. It's half a day gone. Whereas now you can have an hour and then do another one and another one and yeah you're i mean if you're if you're whatever price you're charging per hour you know you can as a speaker or as a coach you know you can actually multiply it and as you mentioned you know international you know, So the you know you you've opened up the whole market without having to
1: you know leave your house 100% and it's also very very cost effective as well because i don't have to travel anywhere I don't have to spend on on transport, on accommodation or anything. I can do everything from the from the comfort of my home and still give give the same value, if not even more because now I'm able to do um group coaching online as well. And so that's basically getting paid per person. and so it's 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 much more valuable this way actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I find whether it's Zoom or Teams or any of these different systems, you know, the fact that you can actually record as well, you know, because sometimes if you're actually going, I don't know, do you do that? Maybe a client wants that, that they can go over something just to refresh themselves. But even, you know, with the podcast for me, I mean, I used to record it because I used to just physically sit down and just do it. But now with all the Zooms, I'm able to reach other platforms like BitChute and YouTube. And I assume which are clients, they have the option if they wanted to record it that they can rather than making notes, because I think you're totally present when you're listening to the person and not having to make notes. And then you can go back later when you're actually listening again. And it just you know,
1: reaffirms what you've just heard. hundred percent because with clients before the zoom calls and everything, they would, they would have to take notes as I speak and, and it's hard to listen to someone and write notes at the same time. And so they, they really wouldn't get the full value out of the sessions. But with this now, they can record and at their own time, go over it over and over again. So it's, it's very beneficial both ways. And as a speaker, it allows me to also have a record of um, of the podcast discussions, of the interviews, of the sessions. And so build my own, um, I'd say, content portfolio as well, which which I can use in future and to use on other platforms, as you said, like um YouTube, or through podcasts, or through whatever means that I want to. So it's uh, it's a plus on many many levels.
0: Yeah, I think because like we, a lot of speakers, some speakers are just speakers, but you've taken a niche, which is the personal branding, and I like that because then it's like if there's ten different speakers, and somebody's interested in the personal branding, does you step up above the crowd rather than? You know, they're all just speakers and can talk on it, but wouldn't specialize in it. And I, I think that's probably an advantage that p- speakers should do. They should p- pick a niche, a niche, because then it's, you know, they're better, easier to get, uh, you know, jobs from that, whether it's coaching or just in, uh, you know, events.
1: 100%. And that's actually something that I raise with my clients that for you to have a brand, you need to be known for something specific. You need to have a field so that when people think personal branding, they think back or when they think personal finance, they think of someone else. So you get opportunities that are in line with your own expertise and you don't waste time by getting calls on stuff that you can't do, stuff that you're not good at. So you only get calls and um, emails as well on the area that you specialize in then that you are an expert in. So it's extremely helpful. And it's something that I recommend to all my clients that you need to be specialized and be known for a very specific value. And in that way, you will stand a much, much better chance of being identified for opportunities. Excellent.
0: No, listen, Paco, really enjoyed our conversation. So how, how how can people get in contact with you?
1: So people can get in contact with me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram. That's Paco Moshara, um, P-A-K-O-M-O-S-H-A-G-A. So that's how you can get in touch with me. DM me. I'm always happy to chat, always to have a convers, always happy to have a conversation around personal branding, around personal development, around self-image, around progress within the area of success and profiling and packaging yourself. So please feel free, give me a shout and let's chat. Excellent. Yeah.
0: And I'll make sure I put all the links to all them social media sites and the podcast description. Listen, Baku, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much, Roy. It's been a pleasure. And um, thank you as as well for the patience. I know we're supposed to have this like a month ago or so. So thank you so much for being um, understanding around that and enjoy the rest of your day, Roy. Yeah, you
0: too. Thank you very much. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on
1: speakingpodcast.com
0: or on BitChute or on YouTube, the Speaking Podcast. Be sure to give a five-star rating, a thumbs up, share with your friends. Until next week, take care.